empowered by the Constitution, strengthened by the Bill of Rights, the American citizen was bestowed with the power and responsibility of civic engagement. Today, your voice is needed now more than ever, yet barriers stand in the way. How to start, where to begin, it can be confusing and overwhelming. We're here to help you take that leap, breaking down those barriers, providing you with the tools and knowledge to take on civics undaunted. On today's show, we have City Councilor Jose Luis Maldonado Velez, who was recently elected to the City Council for Holyoke, Massachusetts, as a councilor at large, where he serves as the chair of the Charter and Rules Committee and vice chair of the Ordinance Committee. I've known Jose for a number of years as we both attended Bryant University and met via our association with the professional business fraternity of Delta Sigma Pi. He has inspired me throughout our years of friendship, and I'm looking forward to our talk today. Jose, welcome to Civics Undaunted. Thank you, Patrick. I'm so glad you mentioned Delta Sigma Pi because I was trying to figure out how to put it into the interview. So yes, yes, Brian. <laughs> yes, Delta Sig. <laughs> Absolutely. I've interviewed a number and I have a couple other coming up too. So it's weird how it all intersects. For sure. That's awesome. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. As As we get started, I figured I'd give a moment just to let you kind of introduce yourself, tell people what you're about, who you are, and then ask, what does civic engagement mean to you? Cool, cool. So, again, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to um, to be here today. I know we've been friends since Brian and on social media, so I know this is very important for you and important for all of us to have. So I'm really excited for what you're doing. Um, but a little background for me. So born and raised in Holyoke, um, Holyoke, Massachusetts, uh, which is in Western Mass, 413. Some people see it as a boondocks, but if people know what Western Mass is or know Holyoke, they see Holyoke as a very poor city in, in the Commonwealth. Um, a little Holyoke history. We are the birthplace of volleyball, um, but we are also known as a paper city. And the reason why we're known as a paper city is because at one point, eight out of every 10 pieces of paper in the whole world was actually manufactured in our city. Um, but with globalization and everything else that came with our, the mill towns, the fall of the mill towns, Holyoke was no exception. So I just you know, wanted to give you a little background as to Holyoke just so that you can um, see sort of what my upbringing was. Um, we as a city could have decided to really go against the, the the government or really figure it out together but we fell into the divide and conquer game so as a puerto rican man i grew up in a city where um we were always treated less than um, we were always considered living at um down the hill versus up the hill um and it, that was a division puerto rican versus irish in our community um but the tides are changing and it's great because now we have a whole new generation of multi-Irish, half Puerto Rican babies. Um, but further after um, Holyoke, I graduated from Holyoke Public Schools. I went out to Bryant University where I joined Delta Sigma Pi, met you, um, and didn't want to come back to Holyoke. I, I was told that I was part of a generation where we're told that we shouldn't come back to Holyoke if we want to be quote unquote successful. We want something to do with our lives. Um, so sort of fell into that trap and lived in New York for a little for a couple of years. Um, was in LA for a couple of months. Did Boston, Florida, and saw a lot. Saw a lot of people, um, and eventually 
traveled for four months from San Diego across the U.S. and ended up in New York. Um, and during those four months, I was broke. Sometimes I didn't have a place to stay. I was couch surfing. And the really big takeaways that I got from that, those moments is one, the power of the individual. So I was actually also volunteering during that time and just uh, the what people are doing within their communities and how powerful it was wherever you were in the U.S. Um, and another thing is that we can disagree, um, but that at the end of the day, we have to treat each other with respect. So that was really what I got from that journey and eventually ended up back here in Holyoke and got back to Holyoke back in 2019. It was uh, the election that really showed me that Holyoke people were ready for something different um, because um, someone that was running, Izzy Rivera, who was actually serving at large with me, he ran, didn't win, but he was very, very close. So that sent me a message like, okay, the people of Holyoke are ready for something different. Um, yeah, so and went on two years later, run campaign, we'll talk about it more, and now we're here today as counselor at large. Um, but to answer the other question you had was like, what does civic engagement mean to you? Um, it means caring about something and making sure that you're leaving it better than when you came in, um, but also making sure that you look at it and how it intersects with everything. Um, so making sure that, you know, for me is I'm a gay man, a gay Puerto Rican man, and some of the the worst homophobia I've experienced has been within my Puerto Rican community. Some of the worst racism I've experienced has been within the gay community. So really realizing how, you know, you should care about something, but also how does it affect and how it all intersects with every other thing that is oppressed in our community. Because those that empower love to divide and conquer and we fall into that so, so easily. Um, so yeah, that's the engagement for me. And what I've realized is if you care about something, so much that when someone else cares about something a lot when the conversations start happening um you you start realizing how they all intersect with each other so it's just it's important for people to bring in their their knowledge and really like i said care about something and be unapologetic about caring about that because it's your one life so that's an engagement for me that was incredibly powerful and i i asked that question of, of all our guests because you know it it can look different for other people and you're the first person to bring up how it's about intersecting and how things connect and i feel that like that's such an important aspect to explore considering that it does touch our lives in different ways and you don't really quite realize it until you start to do that work of getting involved and caring and seeing what your views can bring and change for the community writ large. So thank you for, for mentioning that. That's That hit me. <laughs> that tingles. <laughs> um, so you, you highlighted this a bit about your personal and professional journey since Bryant's taken you all over the country. I think we need to get you to Chicago. I think you missed the North. <laughs> yes. But you hit <laughs> it everything was cold. else. <laughs> it was cold. I was trying to avoid the cold weather in case I didn't have a place to stay. <laughs> uh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, and I think you also already hit 
on why you were called to public service with seeing all that in 2019. So instead, I want to focus on, you know, was this always the path you envisioned? And what is your vision now for going forward for like the next couple of years? Not the path at all, but the end goal hasn't changed. So I've, I've had this vision of where I want to be if I, you know, the universe allows it and I make it to 60s retirement and whatnot, where I want to spend summers in the Northeast between New York and Holyoke and have like a nice little place between both. And then winters in warm places like Florida, Brazil is one thought that has come up to, to me. Um, so for me, like that end goal has not changed regardless. I think I'm all, it's funny cause I keep having this conversation a lot about the process and I really enjoy the process of things. I really enjoy seeing how we get to from A to, to Z. Like there's all these letters in between that we forget we need to get through in order to get to at the end. So was this always a path to envision? I would say no, because I, but I also didn't, I don't have a full envision path. I just know that at the end of whatever bushes I'm tearing down or whatever, like I'm going to at the end, there's that. I know that's not going to happen. That's definitely going to happen. Um, but I think for me, um, this is just, part part of that journey um because in order for me to live, sort of like live that life um you know i it, it was very simple you know summers in the in new england winters and and down there but part of it is also being part of the community being involved in the community you know doing a lot of community work um so this is just one aspect of that this is just and and in order for that to happen i feel like the rules need to i, I don't want to be fighting about the rules at that point. I don't want to be struggling so much about the rules, but more like having conversations. And, and, and I think that's sort of what I envision at that point. I think this is just one way that sort of I fell on because of, you know, we'll talk about it more later, but like there's so many things that happened that led to this point. And so many things that happened that led to other moments in my life that this just happens to be the moment that's happening right now but sort of mm. like my work hasn't really changed you know i'm still i'm still in this wanting to make sure that people feel that they're empowered to tap into their individual powers i'm still um making sure people want to feel respected and what for me when i was looking at city council meetings that's not what I was seeing. People weren't being respected. City councilors were being bullies to members of our community. So just knowing my values at that moment, I felt like this is a, a space that I need to step into to short, short shift. So I guess, no, was this the path I envisioned? No, but it's the, 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 the path that I'm in right now <laughs> to get mm-hmm. to the goal that I envision, I guess. Love, love that. And, I love that kind of how you talked about it and then synthesizing what I, I know about you. It, it makes a lot of sense how you ended up here. 
And I think one thing life is really, really good about is it puts you where you're supposed to be when you're ready to be there. And you mentioned about being empowered, respected. And I know with some of the fitness work you do, I think you're really great about building communities that empower, respect, and encourage people. And I think absolutely you're going to bring that to city council and show a different side of what politics can look like. It's been, uh, there's been a certain, like, there's been true PTSD from like the departments and stuff from dealing with the former counselors. I'll be honest, you know, I, I'll ask um, a department head to me or they'll reach out to me to me. And you can tell that they go in with sort of like their guards up not knowing what to expect. And as soon as we start having a conversation, as soon as, as soon as I start asking questions about, about what they know about the department, about how they vision the department, what they, you know, what they bring to the department versus telling them what they need to do or telling them they're wrong. It, 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 they're just like, wow, this is completely different. So yeah, I think my, um, for me, at least this, these first couple of months is just realizing that, um, hoping that the the city employees, at least, or and also the community, but at least the city employees, the ones that are managing all the day-to-day operations, realize that the counselors of the past are in the past. We're here to make sure that you realize you're hired for a reason, we are relying on your knowledge, and let's make the city work. That's that's let's make the city work. That's that should be our all of our goals. Absolutely, and I think too many people don't realize, you know, your everyday citizen, how much trust the city employees are under, because you know the city councilors, the mayors, depending on the form of government, are are their bosses. In Holyoke, is it a strong mayor system? <laughs> Holyoke, I don't. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. It's just Holoka right now. I'm, I've been considering it the wild, wild west because Holoka is such a, a, a mess. Um, so I, I, the suggestion from the, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, um, small city association, small something, sorry. But they, they, you know, their suggestion was to sort of give a lot more power to the mayor. Um, but as mentioned, the city council of the past are very power hungry. Um, so... You know, they, they've just been sort of like shifting some things and not other things. And so it's just been a mess. We don't even know right now. <laughs> so sad, like, but right now we don't, sometimes we don't even know which commissions is a mayor appointment, which commission, which commissions are the city council appointment. Why, like, there's some, so many, um, I don't know the word, but like pieces that have been changed versus just looking at it as a whole and making an actual change that, I, no one really has power, but everyone has power. It's just, it's just, it's a weird gotcha. system. Um, but I, I will say the ones that are elected now, um, you know, so we have Major Garcia, the first Latino mayor in our city and in a city that is 54% Latino and has been majority Latino for at least a decade. Um, but he, he actually started doing something, um, his mayoral advisory council. So there's about 133 um, members of the community that are part of this advisory councils um, that he's putting on. So he, one thing I will say, you know, whether it's mayor heavy or city council heavy, I think us new councilors and the mayor 
don't really care about that. We want it to be community heavy. We want to make sure that the 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 voice of the people is there. And and it's it's a struggle because again, there's still the 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 mistrust of those before. And but um, we're change we're hopefully we're we're changing it so that it's it's neither city council or mayor. It's literally the people that are deciding what what's happening um, in our city. So slowly getting there. I I promise you you'll get there. I know with my work in Hamden, you know, it was five years before we got the the pieces in place to, to make change. So it takes time. Mm-hmm. So you'll absolutely get there. I, I, I know it for sure. Um, so one of the things we're trying to do with the podcast is kind of break down the barriers and fears for people who may want to run for office or just volunteer, be, you know, Specifically engaged in their community. So you talked a little bit about how you got started, um, but I figured it'd be worth to like dig into that a little bit more and talk about like, were you a known entity in town when you decided to run and maybe like how you started to pull together a campaign once you did decide to run? Was an I known, was I known entity in the town when I decided to run? Um, yes and no. Um, so I, I, it's not that simple. And only say yes and no because you know. So I was born born and raised in Holyoke. So so Holyoke is a small enough city where even if we don't know each other by name, we just know each other by face, and we just know that we are you know part of the city and we're neighbors, whatever it is. Um, but then I I was away for a couple of years. Um, I would still come back because I still have family here, but it was not the same. Um, relationship that I had this with the city growing up uh, and then when I come back I was doing fitness um, I was crocheting um, I was working at the Y so I was also doing different things where where people knew me for different purposes like you, you knew me as an artist or as a crochet person at one point you um, knew me as a protester during the BLM protest as an organizer for that so was I a known entity like one thing i would say no but yes and the fact that i was just knowing a lot of different spaces um so and also what helped was the fact that um my mom is very heavily involved in the community so my mom is an owner of a local bar and she she, it's a social club um and she she's a community leader so a lot of people know who she is so also by that and you know i also got a lot of support that way um because of my mom um so yeah that simple answer is yes and no <laughs> I, I people 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 knew who i was and then I, even still moments today um where people remember me from like middle school or elementary school or high school i met a mom this past weekend um when we were out and she was like oh you went to school with my son and i was like cool so we all sort of know each other um in holyoke um without sometimes fully knowing each other but we it's that we're a community and then also thing with holyoke is we are 54 54 54 percent latino with a majority of them being puerto rican and if you know anything about the puerto rican community is someone is cousin with someone in some way shape or form so what what you hear a lot too is like oh i'm your dad's cousin or i knew you when you were a baby i'm like okay cool so we all know each other in some way shape (laughs) or form so and then how did i get started pulling together the campaign was the question 
Yes. Um, so I, there was a lot of different moments. Um, so I, I know I just mentioned the um, BLM protests of 2020. So I think the pandemic was a huge, huge wake up call for me. Um, I think, you know, going to Bryant University, I remember um, Professor Green and in Business 101 talking about conferencing each other, using Skype to conference each other for the business meetings. And I remember thinking back then, 10, about 12 years ago at this point, wow, that it just makes sense. Why are we going to each other and why are we not just using virtual things? Um, and those, those sort of my thoughts that kept going and then eventually the pandemic, that was a huge thing where why are we... The part of the reason we're struggling so much is because we haven't fully grasped the, what technology is capable of. Um, so that was one thing that I started like thinking of. And then when I, re- <laughs> when I would realize like some of the older counselors couldn't figure out technology or anything, I'm like, our government is outdated. And no, no tea, no shade to HLs. I'm not trying to be ages. Like all ages are, are should be all represented. Um, but if you aren't able to use the system that's meant to create the changes of legislation, then how can we expect good legislation to come out of that system? It just doesn't make sense. Um, so I'm just going on a tangent right now because the question was just like, how did I get um, pulling together the campaign? But it was just a lot of, a lot of different moments. It was from the technology from the pandemic. It was a protest. Um, from there, I started getting um, different groups together. There's a group that we still meet today. We call ourselves a 413 squad after like AOC and her squad. Um, and there was like the defund circle that we were in. So in all those conversations and in all those spaces, I think the, the consensus was it's time to make changes uh, at the local level. Um, and a couple of us stepped up and I'm so glad that a couple of us stepped up. I'm glad that a good amount of us made it through and actually made the changes. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a, a lot of different moments when we started pulling it together. But I would say the beginning of the pandemic or two months into the pandemic is when I was really telling myself, hmm, this may be a thing. This may be a thing. Awesome. I I think one of the things that the pandemic did, because I agree a thousand percent that in terms of technology, government is very outdated, is it made, at least I, I can only really speak for Connecticut and the two municipalities I've deeply lived in in the last 10 years, but it made city council meetings, planning and zoning meetings accessible because it's a lot of effort to go to city hall, find the right room. You know, if it's not a council meeting, the commission meetings can be in random rooms for people to know what's going on. Now they can just watch it without having to get babysitters or find someone to take the kids or pack the kids up and bring them to the council meeting. Like, I think it made government more accessible, showed what it can do. And I think synthesizing everything you said is you were able to pull together your campaign and your volunteers and everything from your social circle and the fact that you all were having those conversations that things needed to change. For sure. I think that, yeah, there was... um. 
I don't know how much you know about political politics beyond that. I'm a counselor at large, but the last 10, 10 years um, has been rough. There was um, we had our former mayor, Alex Morris, first, the youngest mayor, gay, openly gay. Um, and it was always, I would say the council was always at odds with him. Like no matter what he would try to do, the council was always against it. So I'm not saying Alex was perfect because none of us are. And I know I have my critiques of Alex, but um, what people realize was that the, the, the government is more than just the mayor. It's not, you know, we can get the best candidate in there, the, but the council is what, what's holding the, some of the decisions that really actually matter. Um, and, and yeah, and I think that was a huge realization. So that's why our focus, like, I mean, we, we again, we had the first Latino mayor and that's super exciting, but a lot of our focus this, this past year was really trying to flip the council. That's really what we were trying to do. Yes, the the council holds so many keys and the reason why i asked you earlier about was it a strong mayor system or whatnot is my experience in hamden where it is a strong mayor system the council would you know make the legislation and the mayor would veto it or veto the budget and then how the charter is written other things happen it's just so confusing yeah. you know and, and that- i think it's meant to be confusing which is part of the problem and yeah, in that sense, you know, it's very similar to Holyoke City Council passed the ordinances. If Josh wants to veto something, why not? Definitely. Um, um, talking about the city council, it, it, so we in that sense, yes, we it's city council that charter rules ordinances, and the mayor has the the power to veto something and whatnot. But um, I think as mentioned before, it's just what we're trying to shift it is that the people have the power. You know, one thing I always say, and I and I kept saying it during the campaign as I was talking to people, is that we can go in there and make the most perfect laws that we can think of, but if people are in the community, the ones doing the actual work, it won't matter. It, it won't matter how perfect that that like that piece of paper or online document is like the people are the ones that actually make the city go the people are the ones that are economically with education with like living here all of that is all part of making the city go so um that, that's sort of like my one besides everything being sort of like a mess right now um it, it's just that's why i want to shift like sort of like that's why when i hear that question i think of yeah it, Technically, by law or by paper, it is city council heavy um, because the mayor just vetoes it. But there's also mayors doing his own little things, and none of us are really worried about it because I think as a city, we're trying to decide what is the next what is the next form of government almost that we really want to step into. I think we're in this sort of moment, and I almost want to say that's sort of like the moment in this country overall. Like, what is going on? Is this really what um, what we want to keep? rolling and steaming through and i think it's a great question to be asking it's the the united states wasn't always just the united states like it came from something it came from something and who knows what comes next maybe it's still this but who knows what comes next yeah i i i think you you hit the nail on the head and i 
I personally believe strongly that reforms need to happen to make this democracy keep working because you know, it's it's not built for this size of a nation and this level of technology and it's just advancing so much. And what a lot of people don't realize or know is that the Constitution is our second form of government. Right, we had the Articles of Confederation for like fifteen years, and they weren't working, so we had the Constitution. So there's no reason why we can't have another change that still keeps it an American democracy that just works. Yeah. And maybe it's wholesale change, maybe it's partial change with you know ranked choice voting and you know proportional districts and whatnot. You know, um, because you touched on it, I'm gonna do my little personal deep dive political nerd question. You're the chair of the Charter and Rules Committee. Can you kind of explain to the audience what a city charter is? And then we can go into its importance and kind of the work you're doing. So the city charter is essentially our city's constitution. Um, And so the way it works, so mass general law gives local cities and towns the essentially the right to create their own form of government. Um, and so we formed the government through the city charter. What's really interesting in the city charter is that in the first section, it literally says the words that we are a municipal corporation, which always for me is really interesting calling our city a municipal corporation. Um, but it also, you know, could have a longer conversation around that in capitalism, but yeah, that's that's really written <laughs> into our charter. Um, but yeah, that's really what a charter is: is our city's constitution and what happens. So, in the committee that I'm chairing, there's the charter part of it, and then there's also the rules, and then we also have the ordinances, which I'm the vice chair for the ordinance committee. Um, so those are sort of like our three um, documents with all the laws and rules and how we operate. So first, we have the charter. And the charter is what we, um, what Mass General Law says, okay, yes, we agree with this form of government for y'all. We accept it. That's it. That was back in 1893. I want to say that was when that charter was drafted. So you can assume that a lot of the terminology there and is outdated. Um, then there's the rules. So the rules part of it is the city council rules, and that's the order of the procedures as how we make the changes within the chambers. The reason why I wanted to be the, the chair of charter and rules, um, there's the charter part, which I and we just talked about it a little bit, talking about the constitution. You know, I'm, I'm at a point that I'm ready to ask the community, do we want to hold on charter? But before we get there, I think there's some work that I want to do in the city council rules part, which is um, making them make sense. Um, They're all over the place. They're sloppy. And what older councillors have been able to do, those that have been there for a couple of years, have been able to create confusion with these these rules. Um, So one week something requires a supermajority vote for something to pass and then the next week it's just a simple majority but there's no accountability happening with these with these rules so that's those are the two parts of the charter and rules committee so the charter itself which is our city's constitution and then the rules is how to 
we, we make things happen within our within our city council and it's awesome. yeah Thank sorry it, i mean like and yeah outdated i had another thought but i lost it never mind sorry <laughs> <laughs> all good my friend um yeah thank you for recapping what the city charter is and including the rules because i feel like that that is a very important piece too because you get into those city council meetings and you wonder what the hell is happening i know in hamden they have the committee meetings before the general meetings so you have people who are there to speak on one issue and they have to sit through all these committees and they're like i don't understand what's happening why can only these three people speak now like <laughs> i just want to talk about my issue and go back to my kid like <laughs> for, sure. for sure um so with that you know why is it important to update the city charter and kind of i know you, you touched on a little bit and i know you had a picture where you were trying to like reorganize the current words just to make it read better so we knew what, what was going on so just tell me a little bit about that work that you're doing on the city charter as well For sure um so I always have like sort of like two thoughts in my head, particularly since becoming part of the consular, um, being a consular at large, where it's um, either really fix the system or focus on abolishing the system and creating something new. And where I'm at right now is I can do a little bit of both. And the reason why is because if the system remains, what I want to do is try to reduce harm as much as possible. And the way I do, I see that is um, one, making sure that when we do have new counselors coming in, they're able to look at the rules and be like, okay, this makes sense. I know what to expect for my first city council meeting. Um, and that's not what happens there. And again, it, it adds to the power that the older um, counselors have, which is not right. If people voted for for individuals to be in the council together, then they should all, at the very least, be able to understand the process and the procedures all together. We can debate the issues. We can decide what's you know how much money less, but whatever it is, we can have those conversations. But at the very least, like there has to be an understanding as like how that process works and there hasn't been. So that for me is is a huge one. Like I want to make sure that whoever comes in next after me, because I don't, I am not someone that's planning on doing this forever. I am a three terms max, if that, like a believer that democracy in order to function, there should be people going through the all these positions over and over again. Um, but so I, and with that is like I want to make sure that those people that come in are 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 given the tools to to be able to do what they want to do, and and not actually not given the tools to do what they want to do, but given the tools to at least be able to express what it is that they want to do in a way that at least they feel like listened to, at least they feel like you know what, even if my result, what even if the the vote didn't go my way, I know that I was able to say my piece and it was heard and it wasn't sh sh silenced and that's what's been happening a lot um yeah that's what's so important for creating me. a fair process exactly um i mean people say life isn't fair i'm like okay fine but 
this this one little piece that should be fair because it's literally making legislation for the whole community like can we actually at least try to make that fair like and you know i'm and i'm not like and i'm naive like i understand there's there i i want to believe that if someone's a a jerk is because the system made in that way, but I also know that there's just evil people out there. Like they, they just, they, they just exist. That's fine. Um, but as much as I can do to again reduce that harm, that's how I see that playing with city council because there are people in Holyoke that have great ideas that have, you know, that didn't leave for a couple of years, came back, that have actually been here forever, have raised their families, have been here for generations. And a lot of the fear for not wanting to run is because I don't know how to do any of that, or oh I don't, um, or I don't have a, a degree. I don't know how to do, like all things that you think you do or you need, and you actually don't. All you need is to have an idea, and we'll figure it out in those chambers. We will make sure that not even just in those chambers, in a commission, in a committee, in a board. Like every your idea will get figured out if it's an idea that everyone backs up, but for too long people have been afraid to show their ideas or or run for something simply because yeah i can't i don't even understand how that works so what makes me think i can pass anything so a thousand thousand percent i you know a little bit of my personal story when i decided to get involved in late 2016 early 2017 i knew I wanted to do something because I was frustrated and I felt helpless and I don't like feeling helpless. And so like I emailed a secretary of, I don't even remember if it was city hall or the democratic town committee or whatnot to no answer. I sent an email here, no answer. I ended up going to a state senator's like public outing in front of a shop, right? And ran into a guy named Dan who was there with his kids. And because I had a conversation with him, he pointed me in the direction of, oh, there's a kickoff event for this counselor campaign. If I had shown up five minutes later, Dan had left five minutes earlier, I wouldn't be involved. Like, that's stupid, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) (laughs) So 100% people, if they understand what can be done. And there's a document out there that you can just say, here it is. It can break down that fear and get people involved, which is entirely what government needs to be. Right. It's for the people. The people shouldn't be afraid to use it. So thank you so much for doing that work. I know it's not easy. Trust me. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, kind of talking about, it not being easy and, you know, going out of your comfort zone. What are some of the challenges you faced in this bid to become a counselor at large and how did you overcome them? So the first challenge was with myself. You know, you can talk about imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. You can talk about uh, not feeling ready, kind of what I just talked about, like, what the hell am I going to do when I'm in there? I don't know what the hell to do. Like, so I think the first challenge I had that I had to face with myself and telling myself, you can do this. And, you know, not comparing myself to other people, but seeing who was in those chambers was like, 
yeah, Jose, you can do this. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so that was the, 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 the first challenge. Um, the next challenge would be sort of like shifting, shifting gear. So I, I was doing some, some, um, organizing activism, protests and whatnot, some mutual aid. Um, but people still really knew me in the community as a group fitness instructor or as an artist. So sort of like making that shift from, you know, I'm running for, for office and what does that mean as an artist? What does that mean as a group fitness instructor? Um, mm. And um, being ready for those questions to be asked. You know, I, I was asked, even, eventually during the campaign, I ended up getting a full-time job at a local college, but um, I was asked, oh, what do you do for work? So, you know, people do actually look at it. That's just part of, of that. And I think the, so myself, um, sort of the shifts um, and what does it mean to run for offices to who I am. And then I think the last challenge was just people shutting the doors on me. There was, I mean, there was one day it was one, two, I think it was like four people in a row that shut their door on me. And the first one was actually me knocking the door and <laughs> the guy came to the door. I just laughed because there's literally nothing else I can do. He opens the door. He's like, I'm like, hi, my name's Jose Maldonado. I'm running for concert at large. Um, before I even finish, he's like, are you fucking serious? And just shuts the door in my face. And I'm like, okay. And... And yeah, so it, it was those challenges. Those are, and, and yeah, those are the, the three myself and just people not being receptive <laughs> to to a brown man at their doorstep. <laughs> yeah, door knocking is is a trip. We've talked on it, about it on a couple episodes, and you never quite know what you're gonna get. I know personally for me, the best responses I've ever gotten at the doors is when it's an absolute downpour out. That's when people are the most like receptive to you. Cause they're like, well, if you're doing this and this, I'll at least listen mm-hmm. to you. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> I'm cold and wet, but cool. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I, um, I, yeah, it was, it was, it was, I actually did. I I told myself I was not gonna go door knocking when it was raining or cold because I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing this to my volunteers. Um, but I totally get it though because I, I there were other um, candidates that had the same same reaction where people were like, oh, you're doing this in the rain. I'm definitely gonna listen to you now. <laughs> like you're you're, mm-hmm. you're putting that effort out there. Um, I think for me, what helped a lot for me was just, I think, simply a, a, a Latino that wanted to run at large. You know, I was told over and over again, oh, why don't you just run for Ward 4, which is where I'm in, or um, focusing the lower wards. So, so I was told that by um, former leaders that are calling themselves progressives and all that, like, you know, you should do this instead. So I think just... Uh, even when I was knocking the upper wards and they asked me, what ward are you running for? I'm like, well, I'm running for at large. I'm, I'm running for everything. And that, that really um, changed in their heads. Like, wow, this dude is, is running for the whole city. Um, that doesn't happen a lot, for, particularly. I mean, to be honest, there was two of us Latinos, which we both made it on, but out of 11 candidates that ran at large, only two Latinos. So mm-hmm. that was definitely, uh, uh, it helped. 
But at the same time, it was also um, a deterrent at times just because, I mean, just the example that I that I showed with the man shutting the door on my face. Um, there, there was a moment where I would always wear a polo. So I told myself, you know what? I don't want to wear a shirt and tie. I, I wanna, don't want to be that politician. I'll do a polo. That's okay. Um, but <laughs> and it happened twice where people thought I was knocking the doors and they thought I was Jehovah Witness. They they literally asked me, oh, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm an ASL say, are you Jehovah Witness? And I'm like, no. And like, I would go into my concert at Large Spiel. So there were moments that I know because of my brown face, we do have a lot of Jehovah Witnesses in the community that give out stuff. Um, that's, they, it played into that stereotype. So the way I overcame that is like, I literally always had a white person with me every door knocking shift because I'm and it, it you can tell the difference between the days that I was by myself and the days that I would have someone with me particularly someone that was white when and the responses at the door sometimes they would be looking at them versus looking at me as I spoke and for me it was like you know what I'm playing into this game I, I know what is the game this is the game I've played my whole life um I just need them to remember my name and vote for me on that day, and with particularly with those type of interactions. So, it worked. Mm-hmm. We won. Well, the city of Holyoke is better off for it. Um, you know, I'm sorry for that frustration at the doors, but creative thinking on how to overcome it. So, kudos to you on that one. Um, I know that. And you've highlighted your, your group fitness and your experience crocheting. And I know that you are pretty good at utilizing social media to build community. How has that translated either into connecting with voters um, during your campaign or now connecting with your constituents? Social media is a whole nother game as well. So, but, and I think is a game that, Gen Zers particularly have down and us millennials are playing around with it. Um, and only few older generations like Bernie really have it down packed when it comes to, to playing the social media game. Um, in reality, a lot of supporters that I had that were really vouching for me, I met through social media, through Facebook, um, at volunteer meetings. Yeah, a lot of met I met through Facebook and whatnot. Um, I think what helped me particularly with 305 Fitness, so 305 Fitness, um, is, it's a group fitness concept came out of New York City, but it's 305 because it's after Miami nightclubs, but it's just to be free and just live yourself, live your life unapologetically, um, as long as you're, you know, treating each other with respect, but also, um, not holding back, like your thoughts, your what you're feeling are valid and being able to express that. Um, and I think that's sort of translated over to the campaign directly. Like I, I was teaching 305 Fitness for about a year and a half. I knew about the concept for about four or five years. I still love it so much. Um, but a lot of what I was learning there was a lot of how I was really talking with the voters because I was um, letting them know like they're their concerns are valid even if they're the only ones with a certain concern like they're valid and sometimes their concerns 
intersect with another person's concerns and how do we make those connections but unless the conversations are being had we'll never find out like how these concerns are connected um so 305 fitness the like building the community part of it really helped me with that and this um yeah and then i love trolling 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 i i <laughs> what I say, I don't troll personally, um, but I, I, I have, I'm not gonna lie, I have like a, 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 a little love for trolls because they sort of like, I, how do I, I can say, I can read everything they say about me on the internet and take it and really, really, like really mad about it and sad and put down. Or realize that the trolls just have a certain role and they literally the role is to simply just troll, right? So during the campaign, there there was this one specific forum that's still public. I got out of all the private holo forums because I'm like they're not beneficial at all. But the one that is public, there were a couple trolls on there. There was like five of them and I knew by their by them by name on there. And since the election, they just stopped. Literally, they have not posted anything. So that just proves to me is like, I know how to play the trolling game. I can either feed into their trolling and whatever they're saying, um, or just realize they're saying my name. So that's good. <laughs> like that, that's that's my name gets up there more fine. Um, but I also say with that, as far as trolling, so <laughs> this one, <laughs> this last meeting, I. There was an issue that we were, there was an item that we were discussing. There was uh, voices were being raised and there was a lot of back and forth. And we already know how the votes were going to lay out. Some people were just getting disrespectful. So I went in and during my time to speak, I'm like, I don't even want to say anything. I, since I can't specifically tell someone to be quiet i'm just gonna have the whole body be quiet for the next 15 seconds so we can all just chill so we just chill like complete silence for 15 seconds and that was it so then the article wrote <laughs> the mass life which is a local newspaper wrote in a moment of zen counselor maldonado Velez asked for 15 seconds of silence but unfortunately all decorum and collegial respect um was removed um minutes before <laughs> i just died so i'm like this is fun <laughs> this is where i'm having fun with this i'm having fun with this because i i understand the severity like of some of the decisions we're, what we're making but for too long no one has no one has actually done something about it so i'm doing something about it while also having fun with it that's that's what i'm doing <laughs> i feel like that's so important to do is you know there was there's a city councilor in Hamden who he was in like his late 70s early 80s very much could come off as the curmudgeon because he had his beliefs and he held to them and he was very well liked but to your point when the opportunity was there to make things fun he did and it kind of took the temperature down a little bit and I think it's really important to to be able to show that it's not supposed to be all this just stress and vitriol. It's supposed to be fun and doing work for the betterment of other people. So kudos to you for doing that and, you know, finding the fun in the headlines and not focusing on. The I, I, I think it just comes in as, um, 
Like I know some people read that a little like snippet differently. Um, I just I, I see it as like um, more content, I guess, <laughs> more content for social medias, um, but also that we are doing things differently. So I posted it on Facebook and got like all these likes and comments and whatnot. And it, it's just, you know, one thing I'm doing, I'm not, I, I'm not just doing that. I'm also going in after city council meetings and debriefing my thoughts and really telling people, you know, this is what happened during this meeting. These were the top three orders, whatever it be. So like really breaking it down for people because one thing that we don't have really so we have mass life and we have a couple newspapers but we don't have a really dedicated holyoke um newspaper so and that really is focused around like the politics day-to-day everything about it so that's also how i use social media sort of just like give my thoughts about it and that's too and, and i'm always very process oriented so like I, I i have my my feelings how things go and I, i'll express those um feelings but also just telling people this is what happened this was this is what happened and it's making people more more comfortable which is my goal my my goal for for 2023 i i want at least six latinos running and it's not just about being latino progressive but like i need the our our people to realize that they can run there we, we had two ward seats that were uncontested we only had 11 for six at large so it's like actually all of school committee was uncontested except for at large one of the seats weren't, wasn't even being run for so we with this sort of like quote-unquote trolling or like making adding some fun to it hopefully lets people realize wow i, I can do this and it's not this so serious like heart trenching how do you even know the words just like this this feeling of when people think of politics of like ugh, such a bad taste in your mouth it doesn't have to be that it doesn't have to be that because at the end of the day we decide what the government is we decide what politics is um and we have the power to do that so i mean i'm excited i'm really hoping for 2023 there's a lot of people running office it'll be really exciting i hope so too for you and i know the data shows that even if you know you're going to lose a district or a ward in your case having someone out there boosts turnout all around and then maybe to your point on the council at large instead of two it's four right so it's super important i hope you get that for 2023 and like I think that is a good place to kind of start to wrap up and close because I think it's a hopeful point. So what would you tell a listener, let's call them Sammy, uh, if they felt the call to public service? What's the one thing they can do today to start that journey? I'm, <laughs> I guess it's one thing to say, but it is two different points. So, but it is one thing that I would say. <laughs> um, I, I think it. the first one is ask yourself, what do I care about? Um, you know, and, and it, it can be whatever, like whatever it is you care about. I'm not telling you what you need to care about. Um, Cause again, I think it all intersects. So ask yourself, what is it that you care about? Um, 
And then the follow-up after that would be, look, so what's, what's being done about that issue and figuring that out? So, you know, depending on what the issue is, you know, I'm, I'm uh, running at the local level because for me, you know, I care about simply at the, at the basicness of it all is that we treat each other with mutual respect. And that's not what was happening in those concert chambers. Um, so that, it's a huge thing where I ran. And then there's like all these other issues with all my identities that I care about. Um, but then what I, after I tell myself what I care about, then I find out, okay, so what's getting done? or what's being done. So for me, care about treating each other with mutual respect, I can do this at the local level. I can start here and get this done. Um, but something, whatever you may care about, maybe something much bigger that is not necessarily just at the local level. Maybe you're running for, for state rep or you're running for house of reps, whatever it may be. Um, but I think that first question is, what do you care about? What do I care about? Because that's really what's gonna, that's, when, that's what's gonna keep you going. And that's what has kept me going. Um, because again, like there's, I, Holyoke has a lot of issues. Holyoke has, or missed opportunities. Um, we have a huge house population, opioid crisis. Um, education has ticked up a little bit, but we still don't have um, local ownership because the state, we're under state receivership. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of issues in, in our city. But what has kept me going is we, we're not going to agree on how to solve all these issues, but we're going to treat each other with respect. So every time someone gets disrespectful and out of line, I know that when I stand, um, speak up and point that out, that's what I'm there for. And that's what keeps me going every day. Um, and that's what you got to ask for yourself. Listen to care about because there's there's resources. There are plenty. There are a lot of resources. This one being one. So I'm glad that you're doing this, Patrick, because, you know, whatever is out, available out there, the more that there is, the more people feel comfortable um, running. Um, but there is and looking for it and talking to your local leaders. So, yeah. What do I care about? That's, I think that's the very first first question, first conversation you need to have with yourself because then everything else whatever happens after that at least you can ground yourself back into what you're why you're doing what you're doing so. that that hits it right there is it anchors you and then everything else becomes easier because at least you have that one grounding point sure jose i can't thank you enough for taking time today to answer my questions tell a little bit more about city government and public service for our listeners i wish you all the best in your your charter and rules work as always if there's anything i can do to help feel free to reach out and thank you for your time today thank you patrick thank you thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the civics undaunted podcast if you enjoyed this episode can you please head on over to podchaser.com and leave a rating or review these ratings make a big difference and really help get our podcast noticed. So it would be much appreciated if you could go on over there. Civics Undaunted is a production of the Civics Institute, and it is produced and edited by Katie Kacharski. Please visit www.thecivicsinstitute.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening, and have a great day.